Welcome to the Subject Composition and Light Photography Podcast. Show notes, links and contact details can be found at robnunphoto.com. That's www.robnunphoto.com. SCL is a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network and loads of other great tech podcasts can be found over at www.techpodcast.com. Now on with the show. Hi, it's the 2nd of December 2012 and this is episode 210 of the Subject Composition and Light Photography Podcast. My name's Rob from RobNunphoto.com and this is my little audio diary about my journey through the wonderful world of photography. Okay, so on this week's episode I thought I'd talk a little bit about a couple of car boot bargains I got this morning and new Christmas assignment to keep us busy over the festive period and some questions from uh, Derek Crowley, a regular listener and participant in the Flickr group. Well, it's Sunday, so of course this morning, half past six, down to the car boot sale at Bridge Mary. Um, and if you didn't know already, there's, a, there's this special technique to uh, if you want to get bargains from the car boot sale. First thing you've got to make sure you do is get there early. Um, because there's more and more traders at these events anyway running around buying all the good stuff and the other thing you've got to do is make sure you moan and groan a lot before you go because what I found is the more I don't want to go to the car boot because it's too early, it's too cold, it's too dark the more likely I am to get a bargain so poor old Suzanne's like come on get out of bed and I'm like no 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 and then we're on the way and I, I'm really grumpy and stuff and then I can guarantee if I'm not enjoying it and I'm thinking oh, I don't really want to be it I always get something good which is what happened this morning so one of my well probably my second favourite stall of all time at the at the car boot is run by these two guys and, and they always have some interesting uh, camera gear and the last time I saw them um over a couple of weeks, a few months ago, was when I got the uh, Young Nuo flashes. Remember, I got the was it the four sixties and the five sixties for a song. You know, I got the four sixties for a tenner each, and a five sixty for I think twenty pounds, didn't I? Well, they were there this morning as well, and they did have some um, some flashes. But I thought, oh, you know, I've got enough manual off camera flashes now because I've got the five sixty, I've got two four sixties. I've got the the other one, which I can't remember the number of, which is the one that you adjust manually on the back that doesn't have a slave on it. And on top of that, I've got things like the Jessup 360, I think it's the 360 AF as well, so I've got enough manual flashes. Um, the next kind of flash I think I would probably buy would be something with TTL on, so something like, I don't know, maybe a Canon own brand flash. But, eh, but anyway, they had some other stuff on the stall as well. And the first thing that I came across was, uh, which I saw sort of sitting there, was a ring flash. Well, more of a, a ring light rather than a ring flash. Um, and if you're into your, your off-camera flash photography and stuff, you've probably come across the idea of a ring flash before. They're very popular in um, fashion photography, macro photography. I think they actually were started off for dentists so they could take good pictures of teeth. 
And the idea, anyway, is that you have a ring of light round your lens, and so it produces images where there aren't sort of shadows on your subject, um, um, which is and it's great for, like I say, portrait photography and uh, macro because one of the difficult things is when you're doing like pictures of flowers and stuff with traditional big flashes is you end up with nasty shadows everywhere and it's difficult to try and position your light uh, and your flash so that like for example the camera or you don't don't have put shadows on it and one of the developments we've had over the last few years is is ultra bright LEDs you know you see them you know torches are almost always have LEDs in them these days don't they like and bicycle lights and camera accessory manufacturers have responded to this by creating cheap macro and, and it's wrong to call them a flash because it's not it's a 48 ring uh, sorry it's a 48 LED macro light I've got um, and uh, the way it works is this particular one uh, I'll put some links in the show notes so you can have a look at a video of it um, and uh, uh, protog.com.au sell them but you can get similar ones on uh, on on eBay for normally about thirty to forty pounds. I mean, this one cost me twenty, but this is a particularly nice one because it comes with lots of different adapters for different size lenses. Because the way the way that it fixes onto the camera. Well, let me describe the unit first. You've got like this plastic uh, uh, round kind of uh, ring, which is a bit like a, imagine a bicycle front bicycle light, a white bicycle light, but in a ring. With it, so it's got a big hole in the middle for the for the flash for the for the lens. Sorry. And then you've got like these coking type adapters which screw on the end of your, your lens. So there's a few different sizes. I think there's like 58, 55, 49, 72 di different sizes on there that screw onto the lens. And then the, the ring bit kind of slots onto them just lightly. It's very, very lightweight, this thing. Um, it's not going to damage the end of your, your camera or anything like that. And then there's a lead, like a uh, telephone cord type thing, which then goes to, you kind of call it the commander unit. It's not really a commander unit in the terms of like a flash one would be, but basically it has a couple of AA batteries on it and some switches. And you can either run it off AA batteries or it comes with a little uh, AC adapter as well. So imagine if you're doing macro work inside, you, know, you could c connect it up so you didn't burn through the batteries too much and then you've got um, the on off switch which goes from like battery to external power to off and then you've got another few settings where you can have half the, the left half of the flash on the right half of the flash on all of it or, or none of it that's kind of how you could control the power so the so the light is either basically on or off it doesn't go on or off with the camera you turn it on yourself um, and again the idea with something like this is I think checking the website it's got a guide number they reckon they call it a guide, an LED guide number of about 15 which seems quite high I think it's probably got an effective range of sort of I don't know two to three feet for macro work probably about five feet of actually lighting stuff up um, but one of the challenges I always have is that you know I like doing my macro photography with my old M42 lenses with the extension tubes with the little adapter that takes us from M42 to Canon EF so they're all manual focus lenses and uh, one of the problems with them is that in order to get a decent depth of field you have to stop down to like f8, f11 sort of thing, f16 but when you're doing it manually the aperture is actually closing up with a with a fully automatic lens. What happens is it doesn't matter what aperture at you could be f22, but you can still see nice and bright through the viewfinder because it, it's only when you press the shutter button that the aperture closes. But with manual uh, manual lenses, you, you actually are stopping it down. 
and it becomes very difficult to actually see a subject to see if it's in focus or not and so it'd be nice to have this round the lens there to help me focus but also in order to get that decent depth of field again you're stopping down to like f8 which means my shutter speed pretty much crashes down to you know it can be half a second um, and hand holding is very very difficult but the other side of it as well is even if the camera's on a tripod when I'm doing my macro work outside there's often a breeze and flowers are wobbling or spiders are moving on their web so using something like this I can get that shutter speed um, down to sort of like maybe sort of a 40th 50th of a second and 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 faster to it to keep that camera shake and that subject shake out of it so I'm looking forward to play around with it uh, for that and also I do want to have a go with a bit of with try a bit of portrait as well because um, I had a go <coughs> excuse me with Oliver the other day doing some portraits of him using the um, uh, projector screen as a white backdrop and then I got one of my umbrellas out one of my flashes you're doing it off camera flash just trying to recreate kind of that Peter Hurley type headshot look and it was really really good um, but I reckon maybe with this little, if I take the little ring flash, although it's not very powerful, if I marry it up to the 51.8 lens, because it does come with the 52mm adapter to do that, I can take advantage of the fact that the, the, the 1.8 is, you know, got massive aperture, so it's letting all this light in, and combine that with the, with that means that it, that will then be sucking up all the light of the, um, the ring flash, and bang a low powered flash onto the white background to, to blow that out it could uh, could be interesting indeed now the, the problem with that is that I'll be using the 50 probably at 1.8 or 2 something like that which means that my depth of field is going to be very very small because I'm going to be close and so you've got the problems of probably a slower shutter speed I mean we'll see if I can keep it you know above um, a 40th or a 50th well a 50th of a second I might be in with a chance of getting sharp shots um, small depth of field as well and the fact that you know you get to a situation where if you're using a 50 at like 1.8 or 2 or, or 2.2 two, two or anything like that 2.8 your depth of field when you're close to your subject is a matter of maybe like a centimetre or something and so it'd be challenging to get uh, eyes in focus but the way you kind of deal with that is you bring in photographer's luck um, you know you take lots of photographs kind of rocking backwards and forwards with the camera motor drive um, so that you can actually get one in focus so anyway so I'm looking forward to that and uh, yeah initial just playing around with it I've been very impressed how bright it is and it seems quite well colour balanced as well they're meant to be colour balanced to I think it's 5500 Kelvin which is round about daylight very similar to what a flash would be um, so so yeah a nice little bit of kit and I will do a video and test shots on um, on the blog and uh, on YouTube as soon as I can but again I say if you go to robnumphoto.com I'll put a, put a link to the YouTube video and the site of the company that sells this particular flash but there's there's very very similar ones on eBay as well now the other thing I picked up on the stall for a fiver was a, another a Yongnuo product which is one of their off-camera shoe cords and this one's the OC-E3-M1 um, which is a great piece of kit um, if you want to get your, cam get your flash off-camera there's lots and lots of different ways of doing it and I've talked in the past about using the wireless system because I've got the JJC wireless system 
But the problem with wireless systems is if you they're not always that reliable because the batteries can go flat or you get interference with other things. Imagine you're in a room with lots of other photographers all using wireless systems. They're all going to start to interfere with each other, aren't they? And you have the other problem with, with batteries going flat. Um, and so it can be... Uh, a more reliable way of doing it is either to spend hundreds and hundreds of pounds on pocket wizards or you go with a wire. Um, and there's kind of two different types of wire systems you can get. You can go with a sync lead, um, which is basically you, you'd not more expensive SLRs, DSLRs, will have a sync lead uh, port on. Um, but cheaper ones like my 350D don't. So you buy a little adapter that goes on your hot shoe and you have this wire that goes off to the flash. Um, and it will trigger it that way or you can get a TTL lead now what a TTL lead is basically it fools your camera into thinking that the, the off-camera flash is attached via the hot shoe because all the connections that are on top of the hot shoe get transferred down the wire into the bottom of the flash so if you've got an original equipment a Canon or Nikon or, or Olympus or Sony flash um, all that, that that kind of talking that goes on between the flash and the camera to get correct balanced exposure still goes on you know so students still do the pre-flash expose the scene and adjust the settings in the camera and the power of the flash accordingly so it's very useful indeed for that sort of thing now I don't have a TTL off-camera flash mine are the Yongnuo manual flashes so I have to adjust the power output up and down using the switches on the back however having something like this uh, Yongnuo off-camera shoot cord gives me a really quick dirty way of just fixing a camera uh, fixing the flash onto the camera and being able to move the flash around to do bounce shots off the walls get the flash really close to the lens so you get that you know that paparazzi look um, um, you know uh, the idea of, of, of just being able to have a really reliable really fast way of getting off camera now this leads quite long as well it must be about a meter long so you can really stretch your arm out to, to get that off-camera look with the light coming down for, from an angle. So yeah, so I'm looking forward to playing around with that. And the other thing that, that the reason why I thought, oh yeah, I really need to buy this is, I guess one of the the ultimate off-camera flash accessories you can get. I talked about it in the last um, podcast. Is something like the Orbis ring light, which is like this big. It's a big ring light that is just basically see-through plastic that you shove your existing flash into um, and then you put it around your lens and it gives you effectively a very expensive ring light using your existing flash in this quite expensive bit of plastic. Um, but you, then you need a way of triggering the flash and it's a little bit Heath Robinson to kind of have an off uh, a wireless system to do that when you can just have a cord so that 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 should work um great with something like that so i'm looking forward to to maybe playing around uh, around with that in the future so you know two great car boot bargains this morning the um led flash and the uh, off camera ttl cord so a christmas assignment i know our existing assignment for november and december is uh, showing your best work sort of going through your photos you've taken in 2012 and kind of sharing some of those images and, and why you like them but I thought you know something to keep us busy during the festive season where maybe we're caught inside because the weather's bad it's cold we're really busy uh, it would be to have a Christmas assignment and what I thought we could do is abstract Christmas so I'm not looking for postcard shots I'm not looking for Christmas card shots I'm looking for something different now 
you don't need to do something completely abstract where you, it, it's not obvious what it is but maybe maybe you want to I'm looking for blurred shots out of focus upside down maybe a bit of macro work maybe a bit of micro work maybe we've got spinning cameras spinning subjects I don't know whatever you want that somehow relates to Christmas could be inside could be outside you know but what I'm not looking for is you know pictures of Christmas trees um, unless they're incredibly blurred out of focus or you put your camera on a tripod and span it around all that sort of stuff a bit of fun really just to to see what we can come up with getting away <coughs> excuse me from that kind of traditional Christmas cardy postcardy type shot excuse me while I just have a quick drink and again I'll put a new thread up on the Flickr group and um, links from the, the the blog for episode 210 so you can can have a look at that um, so got some great questions from Derek Crowley who's a listener to the podcast takes part in the Flickr group um, got some amazing photographs on his Flickr photo stream if you want to have a look at his stuff again follow the links in the show notes you can have a look at that um, and he sent me some nice questions um, and they kind of well what I do is if I just kind of read them out so he starts off with saying how would you feel um, whether the new newer Fuji S4200 compares with the Fujifilm S5700 which is a camera I used to shoot with a few years ago it was kind of the bridge camera the digital camera that got me back into photography he goes on to say it's in my price range and I was either going to get the S4200 as a light alternative to carrying my um, Rebel T2i 550D around i.e. on photo books etc so do you think the S4200 is a nice camera um, does it take nice pics on Flickr? Sorry, it does take nice pics on Flickr. Or otherwise, I'm thinking of maybe getting a 55 to 250 lens for my 550D and not worry about getting the S4200. What would you suggest? He says he already has the 18 to 55 and the 50mm. And I want to explore zoom range for wildlife, etc. Well, first up, the S4200 gets great reviews on on the web, on Amazon. Um, it's got an amazing 14 megapixel sensor with a 24 times zoom, you know. Um, so it looks like a great camera, and I've looked at some of the photos on Flickr, and they look really, really nice. So yeah, great walk around camera. However, looking at the lenses, uh, Derek Scott, he's got the 18 to 55, great walk around, great wide, wide angle lens, 50 mil, superb, nice sharp lens, great for portraits, small depth of field, etc. But the 55 to 250. If you were to say to me which which is your favourite lens that you've got in in uh, your admittedly quite small lens collection, it would have to be the 55 to 250 IS lens. It is brilliant. It is super sharp. Um, the IS is great. Um, it's very good for macro work as well. You can zoom it all the way to 250, and it focuses very close indeed. So it doubles up as a as a as a better macro than the 18 to 55 or the 50. Um, and you know, you set it to like 85 millimeters and take some portrait shots of people, and it is very flattering. And with that IS, you can shoot down to incredibly slow shutter speeds and still maintain. Um, a sharp image now don't let the, you know the the f5 what is it it's f3.5 to or f whatever it is that the aperture uh, get get on you because that is really enables you to shoot in not brilliantly lit conditions um and i have 
constantly been amazed that even with my really old 350D, the quality of the images that the 55 to 250 puts out, there I find them superior to the 18 to 55 images, and you know, even compare them with the 518 um, when you've stopped it down to, to, to say f3.5. I would say the 55 to 250 does have the edge in good light so either whether it's um whether you're using a flash or out in the sunshine it really is a great lens and if you haven't got one already pick up the the canon 55 to 250 um is yeah i can't recommend it enough and it's a bargain price as well um so so yeah and the, the equivalent nikon and sony and pentax lenses are probably similar because we tend to think of something like the longer telephoto lenses are you know maybe they are just for sports and wildlife but they're not they're great walk around lenses because they force you to take a different approach to things like landscapes instead of having the wide view you know instead of having the postcard type image that sort of lens the 55 to 250 forces you to take an extract out of that landscape and concentrate on that instead and as i said before they're very very flattering portrait so my view s4200 great camera but i'd rather spend the money on the 55 to 250. now second question um you used to have your s5700 you're talking about me now and now you mainly shoot with your 350d both lovely cameras but um do you find you forget about your older equipment as you advance the higher end stuff um do you go back to old equipment Maybe to relieve, uh, relive some nostalgia or remember your early days. I don't know, maybe just some random thoughts. Some people are very quick to sell old equipment, you know, that I've seen on eBay, just to get the next best thing. Well, that's a great question, really. Um, do I go back and shoot with my S5700? Only... What I do a lot with the S5700, which Suzanne now has, is I shoot a lot of video with it, because it's got. A, I think it's got a great video... Uh, capability and um, it's only it's 640 by 480 it does but I like the video that comes out with it the files are fairly small so it's easy to work with on my old laptop um, I don't take many the only pictures I take with it are normally if Suzanne's asked me to take some pictures for her if she's got some eBay stuff or something like that to do because what I find is that once you've used a DSLR older well different cameras like the S5700 become a little bit frustrating in the speed that they turn on and that they focus at and that you can shoot at because I know even with my really old 350D you turn it on and press the shutter and take a picture instantly you know it focuses really really fast where the 5700 you turn it on you've got to wait a little bit take a picture it takes a while to focus and then it takes a shot I'm not saying it's a bad camera I'm not saying it doesn't take excellent photos but you kind of get used to the instant bit of it now modern compacts and modern printed cameras turn on and take pictures very very fast and so, but I mean I haven't been playing with any recently um, but I don't tend to pick up older digitals I mean I, I used to buy a fair few older digital cameras from the car boot sale I remember I used to have a rather nice Mew digital camera um, you know like the Stylus Epic Mew 2 <coughs> one of the best compact film cameras you can get there was like a digital version of it that's beautiful it's got like this faux metal case it's got that nice sculptured round look to it um, but it was just the slowness of the autofocus and you couldn't see the screen very well on the back and you know what I like to do when we when I'm talking about 
what old equipment I'd like to shoot with. It tends to be on the film side of things. You know, it tends to be picking up stuff like, you know, the well, like the Trip 35 or the the Mu2 Compact 35mm, um, the SRT 101 35mm SLR. Excuse me, because I you know, I like the feel of them. I like the fact that they're fast. You know, when you pick up a Trip 35, there's no autofocus. The auto exposure it's it's just auto exposure. You know, you just point it in the general direction you want to take a picture, guess how far the subject is and press the shutter button and that that's pretty much it and wind it on your onto your next one. So I like them. Um I like playing around with the Instax camera as well. because um, I don't know, did I say I got one since the last podcast, picked up a Fuji Instax Mini for down the car boot car boot, so they're great. Um the Mamiya C thirty three one twenty TLR camera, like shooting with that. So, you know, I think I'm. I'm not sure whether in or twenty years' time we'll be picking up cameras like my old 350D and going, oh yeah, you know, look at this old digital camera, isn't it great? Let's take some photographs with it. Um, whereas we'll still be picking up old film cameras and going, let's just put some film in and let's shoot with them because the whole feel of it, the whole aesthetic of these film cameras, how you use them, the sound they make, the way they slow you down I think is more enjoyable if you want to shoot with old kit than shooting um, with old digital kit. Saying that though, I shoot with old digital kit every day because my 350D must be 7 or 8 years old now. (laughs) Um, So there we go. So great questions Derek, great food for thought and again if anybody else has got questions or ideas for the show send them in because I love having something to think about and it gives me great content for the show you can check out Derek's work on Flickr if you just search for Derek Crowley photography that's Derek D-E-R-E-K space Crowley C-R-O-W-L-E-Y space photography you'll also find he's got a website Derek Crowley photography dot carbon made dot com um, so in, some great work on there take some fantastic photos um, yeah a great guy and uh, a very good photographer so there we go that's about it for this week remember carry on picking your best photos of 2012 and put them in the Flickr photo group um, and have a go at the new assignment a abstract Xmas thanks everybody for posting in the Flickr group uh, commenting on the website especially thanks everybody who's taken the time to go over to iTunes and add some stars or maybe a review to the SCL Photography Podcast by doing things like that, that enables the show to, to be up there in the rankings, to remain visible, to attract new subscribers, and that really helps me to carry on with the podcast as well. Thanks to Everyday Jones, who do the intro and outro music. You can find their stuff for free, download at everydayjones.com. But most of all, thanks to you for downloading and listening to the podcast. My name's Rob from robnonphoto.com, and hopefully, pretty soon, I'll see you on Flickr. Thank you.